Life Audio. Hello, everybody. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Girl Club. I am joining you today from, um, you got to love it, from my mother's uh, little guest cottage kitchen. And that's because this is the place, as you know, where, you know, we get to feel comfortable being spiritual chicks on the go. We want you guys to live your lives and to uh, (laughs) feel the same comfort zone because Jesus goes with us everywhere. Our faith goes with us everywhere. And even when we're traveling and on a holiday weekend, we want to make sure that we uh, start the week out right. For those of you joining us from around the world, today is uh, Independence Day in America. Actually, it's 4th of July. Happy 4th to all of my U.S. listeners. I hope you guys have a fun and, and safe evening of fireworks tonight. Um As you know, this is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while always seeking to apply our real faith. And it's often a challenge to apply real faith to the issues that um, sometimes just start our day. You know, they start our day out uh, on the wrong side of the pillow, shall we say. So, you know, good morning to everyone who's watching from South Africa, from England, uh, from America, from all of the different places represented uh, and countries represented in between um, this to joining me today uh, are two of my, well, actually I should say two of my girl club tribe and our girl club tribe regular. Um, you'll notice she sh- shares the same name and that's because Summer Garrett is not just a teen evangelist and a very talented model and actress, but she's also my niece more like my daughter. And I'm always happy when she's with me because she brings an element of um, unconditional love, you know, the kind of love that you need uh, no matter who you are, when you look at your life and you go, well, you know what? I know that person's on my side. So good morning, Summer. It's nice to have you here, Nisi Poo. Thank you for having me. I love having you here. We love when you join us. And I guess Anna's going to have to put, you know, model and actress after your title also, because you're, you're, you're having quite the career bust of uh, breakthrough here. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm proud of you because you get to be a light in a world of other, you know, teenagers and uh, 20 year old girls who really need to know that God loves them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. And so joining us also are two of my favorite sisters. Nova is is out today, but it's the two Christinas, Christina Reynolds and Christina Boudreaux. You guys know, you, you know enough now to know that um, part of the reason why I, I have the girl tribe that I do is because, um, man, because they're real, they're talented, they're um, honest. They're willing to live their faith walk transparently. And, you know, and, and, and just so you understand, most of what you get here at Girl Club is not just, you know, 
Bible study or Bible fellowship or sisterhood. But what you're getting also is the process. You know, there's a process of, of being a real woman in the world today. There's a process of being a real woman dealing with real issues and trying to talk about it in a way that's real. Um, and in the talk part, it means that we've got to give voice to the, the negativity and the journey sometimes. We've got to give voice to the journey. We've got to give a voice to the process. We have to give a voice to the pain that people feel. And we have to give a voice to the pain and the anger and the fear and the doubt and the insecurity that we sometimes feel. So getting to the real faith part also involves being real about the journey. So Christina Boudreaux and Christina Reynolds, I love you guys for being on this journey uh, for some time now with us here. Um, Happy 4th of July, ladies, now that you're all on screen. (laughs) How's the week been thus far? Let's start there. And I'd love to know, I'm going to put this question out to to everyone watching. Um, What's God doing in your life? Like for real? You know, take five seconds before you answer uh, this morning. What's What do you feel God is saying to you? What was mm. the one overriding thing that God is saying to you or the one big question you have, you know? So what, what, what's God, not just what he, what's he doing in your life, but what's he saying in your life? And what big question do you have for him? While you guys kind of write in, I want to start with, with you guys. Summer, Christina, and Christina, man, you know, what do you feel God's saying to you right now? Mm. What's he doing? What's the, what's the journey about right now? Mm. Go ahead, ladies. <laughs> it's a big question. Summer, yeah. want to, what, do you, anything on your brain, Sam? Um, well, I think I was telling you a lot yesterday just about releasing control that's kind of a big thing for me right now just having faith that god's going to control everything in my life finances my career um just putting god in front of everything that i'm doing that's a big that's a big shift that started in june and i feel like that's now my entire life Mm. um so that's mainly what's going on for me that's a that's a that's a, a that's such a a great one because honestly, I think for everyone watching, that's something that is always going on for all of us too, right? Like giving God control in the face of our fear, giving God control in the face of our, you know, anger or doubts or frustrations, um, you know, as, as kind of um, a leader, uh, for me, I think what God's doing in my life right now is... Um, Maybe showing me a need to uh, prepare more in in a in a different kind of sense of being prepared more. Um, it's a different kind of a preparation when I say prepared more. I, I feel like when you're in a position of leadership, oftentimes everyone and everything around you is constantly moving and changing or not up to where you you feel like it should be or not performing the way you feel like it should perform. And I think that as the leader, you have to understand all parts of the puzzle, even everyone around you, in order to keep the 
whatever it is that God's giving you to do moving forward. So I guess, you know, God's kind of always bringing me back to a place of faith and trust in him. And a lot of that too is probably just, as you said, Summer, it's also control. Like there are just certain things we cannot control. You know, I, I have a lot, I have a few people in my life who think that you can control things, you know, um, in my business advisory life, you know, and that gets frustrating because I'm constantly meeting that with, you can't control that. You know, God's got, God's got to do that. God's got a timing. God's got a this, God's got a that. But I think it's, it's in the DNA of men in general to feel that they can, that they're in control of everything. If that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Especially men, you know, I think women have an easier time letting go and knowing, you know, I've done everything I can do. Now I've got to let God do the rest. If that, you know what I mean? Cause like, yeah, anyway, so that's sort of, uh, something I've been kind of grappling with and, and very grateful that I have faith. Very grateful because with, with, I know that with God, all things are possible. And I just don't know how people choose to live without God. Mm. You know, how do you, how do you ever have the confidence to think all things are possible without a relationship with the creator of everything in your life? Mm. You know, I think too, it's like, what would, another thing that's been an addition to my, what I'm going through now is kind of like, what would make God happy? I think that I sometimes do things because it would make maybe who's employing me happy or um, it would make other people happy, but, or even myself. But I think a big thing right now that's humbled me and a big lesson that I learned is what would make God happy. I should mm-hmm. be doing everything that's going to glorify God, not myself, not my boss at the time, not other people, but what's going to glorify God. What does God want me to do with my day? What does he want me to do with my life? What does he want me to do with my week? That sort of thing. Asking that question, putting him in front in that way. I Mm. think I would just tell myself, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do this and that. But I wouldn't take the time to say, God, I give you my day. Please direct my steps. What should I do? What do you want me to do? Right. Yeah. That's been a big thing. I I love that. I love that. Actually, I, I love the simplicity of that because I think when when you actually acknowledge him in all your ways, like it is, it's in the word. When you acknowledge him in all of your ways, um, he will make your path straight. And it's not that, what do you want me to do? I am a slave to you. And I will just be this robot that just pumps out whatever you need, God. But like, it really is inviting him into relationship in your everyday. And out of those things flow, man, you divinely meet this person who you're somehow connected this way and that way. And you're going to work together in the future. Like there are so many of these God stories that happens when we do what you're saying, Summer, of going, huh, what would make God happy? Because like when we consider him, it makes us happy as well. You know, it isn't just a one way street or anything. And um, I think that's something that the Lord has been really teaching me over this, over this these last few years, I think, especially even just like seeing, like, you know, we've talked a little bit over the last few sessions of just what's been going on in the church. And it's been a little bit, you know, depressing and, or discouraging in one sense of just seeing men build kingdoms for themselves. And I just remember having a conversation with Roger, um, 
Cynthia's husband asking him, why, why, has, why have there been so many failures? Like, why do we, why do we keep as a church, keep repeating these same mistakes? And the next thing you know, there's another exposure and there's another exposure of this, this, that, and the other. And he was just like, you know what, Christina, it's, it's because men don't, men don't want to do what God wants. And what we go, you know, going back to like, what is the Lord's will? Like, what, like, like asking the Lord, like, what do you want with this ministry? What do you want with my life? What do you want with, you know, being a worship leader? What do you want with these songs that you've given me? Like considering him first, like that's where like life becomes really fun. That's when stress starts to fall off your shoulders because it's not all about me. Actually, it's not about me at all. It's about him, you know? And then, and I've, over, you know, Cynthia, you're asking, what is the Lord saying? I think the Lord has been saying to me, it's time to, it's time to rise up. It's time to stop playing small. It's time to lay hold of your identity and do it with me, not in my own strength. I've been trying to do things in my own strength for like 35 years now and I'm over it. And, um, but I'm feeling that like, all right, let's go, let's go. Like you made me for greatness, but not on my own fully in you. And so I'm, I don't know, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited of, for whatever he has, because I know that there isn't this heavy load on me. I just have to prepare and be ready for what he asks me to do and then say yes, knowing that he's going to fully empower me and give me what I need to step into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely, you know, completely. Because it, it may, and it makes sense and it's true, you know, um, and I'm looking, uh, CB, unless you have something to say right right this second, is you got, you got an answer for me right yet? Yeah, yeah, but I can wait, though. You no, go. go for it. I'm looking at some of the comments coming in. They're powerful. Yeah. Talk, talk to me. <coughs> What's he saying? What's he doing? Yeah, you know, I think um, I've been in this season of I was I was. Um, I had like an hour or something drive home yesterday from Calvary Golden Springs. And I hung out with some of our, um, who saw our girls after and till late, like we went shopping and all this stuff. And, you know, and, you know, I was on my drive home and I, and like all day I was kind of feeling kind of like a deer in the headlights and I didn't know why. And, you know, and I think for me, you know, I just came out of this like very heavy season, but awesome season of ministry about to go into another month of in July and August. Um, and I think for me, like, I've been trying to like put words to it with a lot of people, but I can't always like do it. But a lot of the ministry that I've done and even with the whosoever's, it's very heavy and it's just with a lot of gnarly issues. And sometimes I come back from a very grinding season and I kind of see, you know, the normal rhythms of people's lives. And I, and I feel like I don't always relate to that, if that makes sense. And being like single and 32 and just, you know, even Ryan calls us like the Spartans, you know, because we're out there and we're, you know, reaching kids in the cartel neighborhoods, you know, we're in the rehabs, we're, we're, we're in very just raw environments. And so when I come back to the, to even just American Christianity, it's been very hard for me to not grow bitter with what I see in the body of Christ in general, you know, like in America. Mm-hmm. Even something I shared with you guys this week um, about, <clears throat> you know, just things. And it's very, it's very sad, you know, to see, um, I think a lot of the, like what Christina was saying, just a lot of 
the Lord's cleaning house right now in a lot of places around the country and around the world in his house and really kind of exposing a lot of what's been happening. And I think last night, you know, coming home, like for me, like I think everyone in battle has like their Jonathan, right? And for me, like my my Jonathan in my life, who's a dear friend of mine, who's, you know, 28, um, single in ministry, you know, is newly in a relationship. Um, and I'm so happy for her. You know, I truly believe this is the man that God has for her. But for me, like she was the one that understood the magnitude of what I did in ministry that understood because she was in it with me and she was in the trenches with me. There's one thing when people support you from afar, but it's one thing when people are in it with you. And so for me, having another female that was in it with me, the rhythm of her life has changed. And so for me feeling like, oh, like, like this, this season of ministry has gotten that much lonelier for that reason. And it's hard to explain and put a finger on it. But for me, like, it's very, like, I have like my whosoever guys are awesome. And, you know, but my friend, you know, she was like my, she was my Jonathan, you know, like my female comrade. I mean, female relationships are different than like male and, you know, than my relationships with my brothers. Cause my friend Erica is the one that I call, you know, that I really bear my soul to. And yeah. so for me, like still the rest of my friends in ministry, you know, they're married with kids and their rhythm of their life is different. And so sometimes it's hard to feel alone in what I do. And I try to explain it to people and they just don't get it. But for her, she was like, I get it because I'm in it with you. And so the Lord in this season is asking me, like, am I enough for you? If it's me and you on the battlefield, am I enough for you? If it's me and you on the battlefield with a bunch of people even supporting you from afar, who don't fully get it because they're not there with you. Am I still enough? And am I still, you know... I'm the same that I'm still the same God that sustained you then. And I'm still the same God that's sustaining you now. And so it is, it is, um, it honestly, I'm just in a really raw place. I think because of that people, you know, I think well-meaning people try to get it. Cause my recharge has to look very different. Like for me, since I've, I've been home and I'm going to another grind, I can't be home for a full day by myself because I get very sad and I get in my head and um, all these stories of all these people just start ringing through. And so I have to spend time with people that I know I could recharge with. Yeah. But today I'm spending time with, you know, some of my who serve team members for 4th of July, just people that help me sift through, you know, it's kind of like the Navy SEALs, like when they go out, like they're, they're in it. And when they come back, like their recharge is, it's very specific, you know, and I'm feeling that. And I'm also feeling the wear and tear of um, hard ministry for the last few months. Yeah. My body is just very tired as well. And so I don't know if that even speaks to anyone, but it's ministry could be a very lonely place when you're running at a high capacity. And I know Christina and Summer and, and Cynthia, you guys run at a high capacity. And there's a lot of people in American Christianity that are sitting here twiddling their thumbs while people are hurting. You know, yeah. there's a culture of complacency that has permeated the American church where I'm like, what are you the people even doing? The people pay your salary and you're there to serve the people, but yet your people are hurting. So why are you here? And I've witnessed in the season that those very people that are complacent, the Lord's removing, but it's still very hard because sometimes I want to come back from battle and I just want to start turning over tables and the Lord's like, no, no, we're just going to do that. Because there's some... 
there are some places I've wanted to turn over tables as of recently. Yeah. And it is very, um, it's very hard when you see the God of miracles move in places and you come back and you're seeing people that are just not being good stewards and you try to tell people, people are just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, bro, yeah. I'm like, Lord, just send me back to the battlefield, dude. Just send me back. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with like people. Yeah. But, yeah. This is- but it's just, this is the process, man. This is for people in ministry. This is the process. Even in life, this is the process. So I don't know if that spoke to anyone. I don't know if that made sense, Cynthia. It's like, a, a lot of you said a lot. You know, you said a lot, and yeah, and uh, and a lot that's really important and really relevant. And it's it's first of all, culture of complacency is is a powerful way to put it. Um, and I do think that that's what it kills me sometimes. Look, you know, there was a there was a point after I I got saved, you know, that I there was a point in which I knew. The Holy Spirit told me loudly and clearly that I was called to be a general on the front line of a war. And now at this point in my life, I feel very much like a general on the front line of a war. I, and I knew it was a spiritual war. Now what I realize is that spiritual war is also a cultural war because our spirit, you know, is is our our spirit is either taken hostage to the culture or our spirit is powerful enough that we're taking the culture hostage to Christ. And when you say culture of complacency, Christine, I think where it tips into that thing that makes you want to turn over tables and become upset is because as a believer, you should be looking around you, getting upset with any believer that is complacent to just use the words, I'm a Christian, but you never see it in their actions. You never see it in their lives. You never see it in the fruit of their spirit, you know? And we know what the fruits of the spirit are and and they start with love, right? From love, you should see patience, self-control, kindness, gentleness, humility, all of these things. And listen, I gotta tell you, you should see it no matter what's going on. There are a lot of times that I lose complete, self-control because of my anger at not seeing these things just causes me to be, you know, to just vent, you know, I mean, I think I dropped two F-bombs before we got on the, on the, on the air today. Cause I didn't know how to <laughs> communicate to you guys what I've been dealing with for four hours since we went on the air this morning, trying to get people to understand the mission that we're on and to support it correctly. You know, it's, it's, my grandmother used to always say, you can criticize as long as you have a heart to help. We live in this world and let's just talk about the kingdom and Christianity. I've, I've, I've never seen so many Christians be so quick to criticize each other, but they have no heart to help. They're they're not, uh, let me criticize, but I'm not going to invest a dime in what you're doing to try to help you you know, make it right or lead the ship correctly. And so it gets very frustrating. Or, you know, Christina, you come home, uh, Boudreaux, you come home from a missions trip in Mexico where you're dealing with real kids who are being trafficked by the cartel, you know, sex trafficked and everything else. Yeah, you've got to come home to Sunday Christianity Christians and get a little bit ticked off 
you know, and it, it's like, listen, you guys, there's a movie called Machine Gun Preacher. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You should see it if you haven't seen it. It's a true story about an incredible man, um, and I'm trying to remember his name, Sam. Oh, is it uh, Sam Childers? Yes, Sam Childers, exactly. And uh, Gerard Butler, the actor, is the star of the film, and Michelle Moynihan. And basically, it's his testimony in his life. And in one of the scenes, he comes home from being in, I mean, complete war-torn, you know, Africa, in the Sudan, where, you know, Koine was kidnapping children after murdering their families in villages in front of their eyes and, and training them to be rebels. And he would kill their families in front of their eyes so that it would break their minds so that they could become filled. He could take the hate and the rage and use it the way that he wanted to. And, um, this guy, you know, Sam ends up, you know, he gives his life to Christ, becomes a pastor. He ends up going back to America after one of these trips, which become like his life. Now he lives there. Now this is, you got to see this movie. If you haven't seen the movie, it's very powerful. Um, and um, it's a secular film that's very powerful. Anyway, he's at a party in kind of a Beverly Hills kind of neighborhood and a lot of, you know, wealthy people. And um, he's basically trying to raise, I think, $5,000 to build um, a playground for these little kids who, you know, half of them are missing limbs and it's horrible. And um, he's kind of getting told no over cocktails, you know. Oh, what beautiful work you're doing, you know. Okay, I've got to go get more guacamole, you know. And he blows up at the guy who's giving the party because the guy who's giving the party won't give him like five or ten grand or something like this. And he says, you spent twice that on the, on the guacamole chips and salsa today. You know, where is your heart for those in need? Where's your heart, you know, for these broken children and these broken lives? And I think, you know, look, you guys, the only thing that, that that's right, you actually can see, I, I have a, a powerful series of interviews with Sam on my sessions uh, TV program um, on that, that, that I filmed for TVN. And you can watch it on um, Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel. Um, if you look at in the sessions, you can find the Sam Shoulders interview. You, you got to really, and then watch the movie. You got to really know this man. And, and, and every time I watch the film, I send money in. I mean, because he just... He inspires me. He's in it for the right reasons. He's in it to win it. And I want to support him. And, you know, every time I watch his film, I do. But I, I also think that for, there's power in the name of Jesus. We know this as believers, like we know this, but we've also got to go from knowing to putting our money where our mouth is. And I, and I, I think that gets, look, I think when you're the kind of believer that, you know, gets up to stand up or do what it is that you do when you're tired and you're frustrated and you're angry and you've worked all day long or all night long and you don't feel like getting on camera because you guys, I mean, don't think that we don't all have those days. We do. But when you're the kind of believer who believes so much in the mission of what you're saying and in the purpose of what you're saying that you continue to stand up and show up even when nobody else does. You're the kind of believer who earns my respect, man, because I feel like 
far too many believers are sitting down and it's up to us to light a fire under them. And um, you've got to be, be prayerful and understand how to light the correct fires for sure. Um, so I, I, I want to just go through some of these um, some of these comments because, you know, Lori says, you know, what God's kind of saying to her is hold on, be strong. Listen, girlfriend, sister, he is saying that to each and every one of us. Hold on, be strong. You know, it's true. And why? Why should we hold on and be strong? I'll tell you the answer to the why. Because he's still God and he still reigns and he's still on the throne. And so as long as you're alive, he can still turn around whatever your situation is. I have a verse for that that I wanted to say. Give it to me. Um, Exodus 14, 14 goes along with that comment. It's, um, I will fight on your behalf. You need only be still. So I think that that's. Yeah. That one came to my head when that comment came. So I just wanted to. Thank you, Summer. Spot Thank on. You, I Spot needed on. that. One hundred, sure. <laughs> you know, and then slumber rights, and th- this is powerful too. You know? <laughs> really powerful. Allowing God to be in my life and stop worrying and just trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge Him and He will direct my path. Man, that's Proverbs three verses five and six. For those of you who who might not know that scripture site. And I must tell you, that is one of my favorite Proverbs, Salombra, and it is, it's one of the anchors in my life, you know, um, because there's so much that, you know, I, I said to someone today, I said, look, you know, you sent me four, you think you're encouraging, but these business emails are not encouraging. They're in fact discouraging because all you're doing is criticizing, but you've never once invested a penny into you know, helping or, and, and then when you, when you do, it's more, Hey, I'm going to help you, but just listen to me. It's all about me and what I'm doing. And there's no room for God in a conversation like that. And anyway, when I get to the end of my rope, that is a scripture that I often, you know, I often go to, I just, okay, God, I trust you. I'm not going to lean on my understanding of what's going on around me, you know, because you can't. Because sometimes what's going on around you, you may not know that you're being mishandled. You just know that you're being mishandled. You know, you may not even know what's going on. You know, you just feel it. Um, Love this one, Power of a Virtuous Woman, because honestly, this is a part of Christianity that is not actually dealt with enough today. So what Power of a Virtuous Woman writes is that God is telling her to repent and obey because he's been convicting me in so many ways. I've just been making excuses on why things aren't going right. So it makes me spiral out of control. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good one because honestly to repent means to turn from sin, to turn from what you might be doing wrong, to turn from what God has already told you is wrong. And, and a lot of people just live angry, you know, as victims because they don't want to repent. They don't want to obey. They don't want to try it God's way fully. You know, um, power of a virtuous woman continues by saying, I am literally self-sabotaging my walk with God because I'm scared of the unknown. I know, sister, the unknown is a scary thing. But, you know, 
when you when you're living in the past, you can you you can only live with regret. When you're living in the future, which is the unknown, you can only live with fear. So what happens? That means that then in the present, which is actually the only place you're living, power of a virtuous woman, you realize the only place you're alive is in the present. You're, you're, you're dead in your past. It already happened. You're not even born yet in your future. Tomorrow's another day. You're not there yet. You're only alive right now. So the only thing you can do if you're living in your past or if you're living in your future is to sabotage your present, is to sabotage the only place you're alive right now today. You've got to get out of the past. You've got to get out of the future. The only thing you want from your past are the lessons you've learned. That's it. Learn the lessons and be in, 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 in the present. You know why it's called the present? Because it's a gift. And the gift is happening right now. Get out of the future. Get out of the unknown. Live in the right now. And, and, and the fact that you're here means that God wants you to only live right now in this moment. Nothing else matters except the words that you're listening to and what you're supposed to take from them. And since I know that, let me just say to you the words that should matter to you. You can do all things through Christ who loves you. You're the first and not the last. You are more than a conqueror. Those are three scriptures that are powerful for you to understand about your identity right now in the present. And should you wake up tomorrow morning and be born tomorrow, that'll be your present. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even in your unknown, Jesus is still the same. So, hmm. I'm looking at some more of these comments. And, um, you guys have any thoughts about just the comments thus far? Um, there's yeah. another verse that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. Go ahead, Summer. There's another verse that goes along with that. And it's don't worry about your the food that you're going to eat. Don't worry about your fashion. And don't worry about your future. So anytime that you're worrying about anything, and I mean, that literally says that in the Bible, don't worry about your future. God gives you grace enough for today. So if you're in a state of mind where you're worrying about the things that you weren't meant to worry about, then of course you're going to feel, that's not going to feel right because that's not where God wants you to be. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. think, and I was just, just jumping on that. I mean, that's, that's, I love, that's one of my favorite verses actually in Matthew six, talking about not worrying about what you're going to wear. And what, I love it. You said it so like plainly, don't worry about your fashion. Like he clothes the most beautiful flowers that are, it seems so ridiculous because they literally are here one day and it's like their lifespan is so short. And yet he thinks it's worth his while to clothe them in splendor. Um, you know, I, I have been, I have clung to that verse for so many years of my life in, out of fear to just kind of like, okay, come on, Christina, don't be afraid. He's going to take care of you, blah, 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 like whatever. And I feel like I'm finally getting to this point where it's like, it's clicking. And it's, it's like what you said, Cynthia, about being in the present. Like it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's like today is sufficient with its own trouble. Be here right now, be faithful with what you have. And over the, the season has been a two year long season of just giving up 
excuse me, of giving up my future. And it seems so anti-culture, like in our like business minded entrepreneur, success minded culture of like hustle hard. And like, where's your goals live the power of a focused life, this, that, and the other. And I lived my life grinding and like hustling for years and seeing, seeing how the cost of that was destroying my family. It was destroying my identity. It was destroying my emotional health. And um, I finally come to this place of rest of just like, you know what, God, you hold tomorrow. I can only be faithful with what you've given me today. And that is enough for me. I mean, there was like, there was a season where he was just like, I just want you to put me first. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah. Love me. Love your family. Be kind to those around you. Like, just, just like stay out of bitterness. That's all he like really pushed, like pressed on my heart for like a year. And it felt so like, but I'm not succeeding in A, B or C. What about my future? Like how I'm, how am I going to have something to show for in a year? If I've just been sitting on my, sitting on my hands, trying to forgive, literally trying to forgive my neighbors. But you know what? Me being faithful in that has like cultivated a solidarity in my spirit where I don't care about a stage. I don't care about like the next big job or the next big, you know, whatever for me. Like I really could, I don't care about a Grammy. I used to be like, I just want to like win a Grammy. Like I don't care. I literally don't care. I just want to be faithful today with what he's asked me to. Because if I do that, then I'm successful. Everything flows out of that place of faithfulness and like, I forget who said it, repentance and obedience in that moment. There's so much joy when you say yes to that. And there's, so, and then, and then when I'm not caring about the future, do you know what happens in the future? Really it, awesome things. That I wasn't Right. But I wasn't yeah. banking on them to make me feel good about myself or to make me feel like, Oh, I'm accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'm an, I, I'm a good adult now. Look at me. No, it's just like yeah. out of the overflow. And I think, I'm thinking of like Psalm 23, you know, like, oh my gosh, your goodness and your mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. And like my cup overflows. It literally overflows, but there's nothing on paper that, that proves that I did any of that. Mm. It was all in my heart. And then in, in my little steps of like, forgive that person, you know, cook them a meal. You know what? Send them like a couple hundred dollars, you know, they're in need. Or like, you know, like I shared a story a couple of weeks ago, my husband just felt like pulled and drawn to like spend time with this homeless man sitting inside a Dairy Queen. And like you be faithful in those little steps. Don't even worry about the unknown. He takes care of that. And then it is that it is that verse, like in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will start ordering your steps to where, I mean, we were just me and the girl club girls were just in Nashville with Cynthia. Just I think it was last weekend. It was insane to me how every, you know, event space, the, the, the owner or another person we met at a restaurant, it was also God ordained. We ended up connecting over Christ. We got to pray over someone in their marriage. We got to like connect with another lady who's from California. We, we all have, you know, we're all fighting for freedom. I mean, it is just insane what happens when you just be faithful in the present. And then mm. you start seeing this alignment and it gets addictive because then you're just like, I didn't do any of this. All I did was say yes. And it, right. and it looks stupid in the eyes of man, but it is like, it's, it's what God's after in our hearts. So amen to all of, all of that. Powerful. Yeah. And I love what you said, Christina, because it's like, 
there is, you know, a text I sent to you guys this week, you know, of, um, of things that have been heavily on my heart, you know, that the Lord took care of while I was just on mission with him over the last couple of weeks, you know, and how of, of a situation that was heavily on my heart and the Lord was like, girlfriend, let me deal with it. And the Lord dealt with it in a very seamless way. And I had no part in trying to handle that situation. The Lord handled it, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that there's sometimes things in our life where there could be, you know, injustice, there could be um, people misrepresenting the Lord in his house, there could be, you know, um, just like situations that are so outside of your control. And when you just surrender those situations in the Lord's hands, and you just surrender like the hard, you know, situations in the Lord's hands, because sometimes the Lord allows things to be like above our pay grade, and a way over our heads. So because so that he could be like, baby girl, only I could reach that cabinet. Let me deal with the situation. And when I left this situation in the Lord's hands, when it was so hard, because it affected the people that I know personally, and it affected me personally, the Lord dealt with it so seamlessly. Hmm. So I just want to encourage you guys out there that there's if there's situations that you are trying to control, situations that are hard, whether it's in your job or your workplace or church or family or friends leave it in the lord's hands worship him stay Mm -hmm. still you know and like what christina said just watch the salvation of the lord he -hmm. will deal with it because he will deal with it in a way that glorifies himself and that keeps you away from the crossfire okay because sometimes when you try to handle a situation you get caught in the crossfire you leave it in the lord's hands and he's like i don't want you to get wounded in the process of this let me deal with it and watch me work so good it happened for me this last week and it's about to go down again so good yeah Yeah. thank you for that I, i gotta tell you that's probably that's a word, that's a word for me, you know, too, because, um, I'm used to really giving birth to things and in my processes of birthing things creatively or, you know, and business wise, and my business is creativity. So sometimes that has its own thing, right? And you guys, Christina Reynolds, you you know about that and Summer and, and CB, right? Like many of you know about that when, you're a creative person and then your creativity is also a business. So, but anyway, I get very, um, yeah, it's like I get frustrated when people don't see and understand what's happening in front of them, you know, what God is doing or what. And a lot of it is just really knowing that and really trusting, you know, God's got it. God's got it. Like, what, what he has for, and this is a word for, for some of you listening, what he has for you, no one can get in the way of, you know, mm-hmm. no one can stop. Mm-hmm. I guess the question would arise, can we stop? You know, can we thwart what he's got for us? And I have mm-hmm. to believe that if in our hearts, we're, we're actively saying, God, I want what you have for me. Don't even let me stop that or be in the way of that. Then he's going to be faithful. Because he answers our prayers, period. Yeah. He hears them, loves us, he answers them. So if our heart is continuously postured toward him, trusting him, having faith in him. I mean, I get criticized a lot in business because, you know, things like 
while Christians, you know, pray about, you know, it's like, oh, you know, how do I even say this? Like some people have a hard time believing or accepting that it's not all about them and their efforts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my natural DNA is toward that thought. But my faith walk is the complete opposite of that. In my faith walk, I know it's not about me or my efforts. It's about Jesus. It's about what God is doing in me and through me and for me. And and even when he's using people that are broken or messed up or who think wrong about him, I have to leave all that to him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have to leave it all to him. Yeah. You know? know, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 baby. Go, go. Oh, um, I mean, just, oh, don't no, okay. go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Summer. <laughs> okay. Um, so just adding on to what everyone has been saying there, I think I might've said it in a different time, but this is just has been popping in my head and it's really similar to what you guys are saying. And there was a sermon um, at church that I went to and the pastor was talking about how we forget our child that we're children even though some of us have been on earth for longer mm. um I'm like saying this as the youngest person here but we're all <laughs> children to God mm. and I think that he was basically saying that a lot of our worrying comes from trying to control everything try to be in charge of everything and he was comparing the metaphor to a kid who lives in a house where maybe the the parents are having a little bit of financial struggle, but the kid is still leaving lights on, still running the water, still leaving the refrigerator open, like it's totally not careless and not worrying about it. And he was saying that's how we should be. Like, we don't have to worry about the things that are out of our control because mm-hmm. God's taking care of it because he's our parent. Like our so parents good. aren't making us feel like, oh, there's all these concerns and worries in the world. Like you, like putting that burden on us, the burden isn't on us that about things that aren't in our control. So just kind of giving it to God when we're going through something that is out of our control, we are to do our best and let God do the rest. Yeah. So yeah. our best is just whatever we can do in that present moment and asking God, what could I do? What should I do? What steps should I take? Please direct my steps. But then about the things that you can't control, you know, you apply to the school I'm saying this as a metaphor, but you apply to the school and then you let it go. There's no more, there's nothing else that you can do. Like you just do your best. And I think at least for me, from what I could speak on, a lot of the worrying and stress comes when I try to control the outcome, but I was never meant to be attached to the outcome. I was meant to do what God wants me to do in that moment because Mm. you don't really know like what God wants, where God wants to take you from doing what you're doing right now. He could have a whole other plan for something that looks like but what it looks like in the moment, but you don't know what God has. And also, um, like God knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us more than we want what's best for us. Mm. And I think we don't know what we I don't think that we really know what we want. And I think maybe we do. We think we know what we want. But if he has a better plan, I would rather trust that plan. So I think just kind of trusting in the moment, taking it day by day, asking God for what you should do and listening to that and doing your best. And then the things that are out of your control, your future, your fashion, like things that you're not meant to worry about, then don't worry about those things. 
Don't worry well, about anything. Pray about everything. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen, Summer. And, you know, it, it's interesting. So you, you're, you're talking, right? And as you're, you're, you're talking, I'm, I was looking at the comment coming in from uh, one of the comments from Power of a Virtuous Woman. And she writes, I've been worrying since we're losing our home. And I'm scared of being homeless, but I know me and my four kids will be okay. God has this all under control. It's just hard to surrender it to him at times. And you know, I got to tell you, sister, it is very hard to surrender it to him at times, especially, you know, I'm listening to what some are saying and what she's saying is so true and accurate for you. You know, you're literally like being tested in this. But then again, I'm also able to really understand the weight of being a mom, having four kids. So you're, you know, if it was just you losing your home, you know, it's a whole different thing. But when you're the parent and you're losing your home and you need to be the parent for these four kids, trusting that God has it all under control is that much harder because you got to trust that your father has it under control for you so you can have it under control for them. And you got to trust that your father is also their parent and he's got it under control for them, just like he has it under control for you. And I got to tell you, like, I'm sitting here praying for you. You know, I'm praying for you that, that God will make it right, that he has a home for you and a roof over your head for you and your four kids. You know, and that, and in Jesus' name, I just claim a praise report for our sister. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I will stand and I will wait and I expect a praise report to be coming from her. Lord, we're just going to put this in your hands and we're just mm-hmm. going to rally around her need right now and cover her. Mm-hmm. I just feel led to cover you, sister. Like in the name of Jesus, I cover you in the blood of Christ. I cover your kids in the blood of Christ. I cover your home, your circumstances, your need, your financial debt, all of it. I cover it all in the blood of Christ. And I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to show up and show her your worthiness and your love. And I know that sometimes that is, you're worthy. If you don't show us another moment of love, you're worthy. We get that. And we also get that we don't feel worthy a lot of the times, but you tell us that we are because you sent your son to die for us, which communicates a great amount of worth that we must have to you. So I ask that you would give your daughter the the peace and the faith to know that you've got her. You've got this. And Lord, we pray that you don't, Make it too hard on her, waiting for you to show up, Lord. We're waiting for you to show up for her in Jesus' name. And we we trust and thank mm-hmm. you. We believe that you will. I'm sorry, you guys. I I just mm-hmm. felt like, you Amen. know, we had to go there. And, and you know, and, and you guys just, I mean, you know, we, 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 have, a, we have a really big, look, we got a really big, big comment and and question here. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, um, from Miche kind of going back here and I want to understand, I'm not avoiding this question. Um, 
where is it? Because I think it was so eloquently asked. Ah, yeah, it is you, Miche. Dare I ask what our thoughts are on Roe v. Wade? I'm conflicted. As women, we should have ultimate authority over their bodies. I'm conflicted as women should have ultimate authority over their bodies, but the Bible says all life is sanctified. And then there was a comment from Lori saying, I'm pro-choice. I don't believe we're supposed to force anyone to live by God's commandments. Okay, and I just, I I don't want to leave you guys hanging out there. To be quite honest with you, I think we may need to spend a a couple of Girl Club conversations just going there on this issue. Because it is the biggest issue happening. I think it's the biggest issue happening in the world today. Because I think anytime you decide to make the stand that's been made, um, it's a big deal. But, But I do think that, like, when I hear these questions... What I sense is the confusion of it. And I do think, Lori, um, when we hear pro-choice, it's it's a tough one, right? Because God gives us choice, right? We're free to choose him. You know, we can love him or not love him. Um, And to be honest with you, if I were on an island, my husband often uh, shares this story. I'll try to quickly make share this with you. If I was stuck on an island and there was only one person on the island and, and, and that person said, you have to love me. Okay, well, I'm stuck here. There's only one person. I love this person, right? That's not much of a choice, right? It's when I'm on the island and there are five people there and they, some are good, some are bad, some think certain ways, some think other ways. And of those five people, I get to choose and I choose to love the person that becomes my husband, that was my choice, right? And that's how it is with God. We live in this world that's filled with all of these different things that that we can choose from, right? Good things and bad things and complicated things and things of God and things of, of Satan, things of the world. What he hopes in all of that, because he loves us so much, is that we'll choose him. He hopes literally that we will recognize how much he loves us and that we will love him back. And a lot of you know that many times you've chosen anything and everything but God, but loving him back. That's how I see this issue, you know, with abortion. It's like, it's one of those things in the world and we have to start with Bible as believers. Bible says all life is sanctified. Bible and science say that, you know, basically life begins at the point of conception. Okay, that means we're not supposed to take that life because the Bible also says thou shalt not commit murder. So if if we all know, and in Planned Parenthood, everyone agrees that life begins at the point of conception. Nobody's arguing that point anymore. You can Google that and look it up. And we've had heads of Planned Parenthood in the last five, 10 years say, yeah, okay, we're not fighting that one anymore. Life does begin at conception. We're just saying that the woman's life is more important and she should be able to end the life of the unborn baby. That's when it starts to sound crazy. And, and, and to me is when, okay, you know this is wrong, but you're saying it's okay because I'm better than that little baby. Well, I don't feel better than anybody. So if that's the case, then am I better than the person next door who, who's annoying me? 
maybe maybe they're not contributing enough to society. So maybe I should get to kill them too, because they're not contributing enough. They're not as better. They're not as better. They're not better like I am. This is where that kind of thinking can get dangerous. And you know, yes, we have authority over our body. Yes. This is my body. God gave me authority over it. But he also gave me the choice, the free choice to choose, hopefully, the things of him. Now, that said, I do believe on a certain level, every woman and man is free to choose. You know, if a woman gets pregnant, it's her choice. You know, now, what happens when you co-sign, I think, something as a nation is now Federally, and that this is where Roe v. Wade comes in. Federally, we were saying that this is a federally, you know, this is a federally supported right. And so if you don't believe in it, it doesn't matter. Your tax dollars still have to pay for it. And that's, I believe, wrong. Because if I don't believe in something, I don't believe you should force me to pay for your choice. Because that's your journey with God. You know? And it's it, it gets, it's very complicated but then it's also very simple in so many ways. Um, you know, and, and I know I'm looking at, you know, Salumbra is saying, are there exceptions when you're raped or could die having the baby? Um, the, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade didn't really have to do with any of this, you guys. It's more, I'm an attorney, okay? By edu- by, I graduated from law school at USC. I do not practice law. But I will tell you, Roe v. Wade is one of the seminal cases we study in law school. And, you know, so what you understand, what you need to understand legally is that this is a case that's overturned because it never really should have been before the Supreme Court. This is a state rights issue. So what the Supreme Court did was take the case and throw it back to the states and basically give each state the right to determine uh, whether or not it's okay you know, in their state to have abortion or not. You know, it, they, they, they sent it back. Now, that said, um, the statistics of women who are raped, who then turn around and, and are pregnant and want a baby, I, I don't, you guys, I, I don't even know if there is a statistic. I think it's like 0.000001. There's not a lot. Um, I've never heard of one. I've never known one. I'd love for someone to, you know, to write in that stat because I know it's very, very small. But that said, I would have to believe that as citizens, you would rally around the kind of legislation that would would maybe deal with that. But you have to understand that when you're raped, the first thing that happens when you go to the hospital and report it to the police is, if if I'm not mistaken, in a in a rape kit situation they automatically um, they automatically take care of you inside so that you're not potentially pregnant. Um, so that there's more, I think, don't be confused by the red herons because I think a lot of these arguments are just red herons. I think we've got to kind of start at Bible, you know? I mean, what book do we read? What God do we serve? right? And yes, he gives us free choice, but he wants us with our free choice to choose him and the things of him. Now, that said also, 
when a person doesn't know Jesus, I never expect them to choose the things of God, you know? So I think we've just got to find, and what we're being asked to find is that, that ground, uh, that, that divine place of non-judgment, but education also, you know, if, if Summer got pregnant and came to me tomorrow and said, auntie, I'm pregnant, I would, I would tell her all of the reasons why. And, and for those of you who were watching last week when we were all in Nashville together, you saw me get the news live on camera and then lose, lose my stuff. You know, I, I mean, I burst into tears because the information isn't really given. And the real information is that, you know, abortion is like the thing that you'll regret the most in your life, especially if you're a believer and you have one. It's one of those things that's very difficult emotionally to recover from. You know, and nobody tells you that. No one says that. You know, nobody really counsels these girls with the truth. They just perform the the, the service. And, and that, that's really what, you know, that's what was, you know, oh, great. You know, Anna put, I don't know if these statistics are, um, are, um, Anna, Anna sent a graphic. Okay, 0.13% of abortion requests are claimed to be from rape or incest. Um, life endangering physical condition claims are 0.2%. Serious fetal genetic defects are 0.9%. Physical or emotional health. 2.33% of the requests. Social or economic reasons as a, re, as a request for an abortion account for 16.25%. Elective abortions make up the rest. Those are people with no reason at all, except that they just, they don't want to have a baby at that moment. Um, those make up 80.18%. These are statistics taken from live action org on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's kind of my point. And I, I don't know if you have a graphic hand you can go up there, but you guys, it would be, it would be wrong of us to not take these statistics and more seriously to not educate ourselves fully, you know, on this issue as believers, because we can't just be crazy Christians telling people they're going to go to hell because a lot of these people don't even believe in hell. So we've got to be wise, you know? And so that's why I'm saying this may deserve more conversation than we can have right now today. Cause we got to wrap it up today, but I did just want to honor Miche and Lori and, and, and their thoughts, you know, because it's, in, it's very interesting. I consider myself a pro choice anti-abortion, independent, feminist, on-fire, born-again Christian, living a surrendered life to Christ. Deal with it all. Like, there's there's so much in that because the words and these issues on this issue are very layered and, and much more complicated, you know, in turn. They're simple and they're complicated, you know. Um, and we'll deal more with it Um you know, here on Girl Club, we will, because look, we're, we're a group of women who are, oh, thank you, Miche. Thank you, Lori. L love you guys, you know, for caring about this issue and 
sharing your thoughts and your feelings on it. I think as women, this is why I think last week I was, and, and it's interesting, I've had a few conversations with men since. I've had more men who want to make a comment to me than women on this issue. Well, I think blah, blah, blah. And I literally have, I, I literally have looked at a couple and said, I really don't care what you think. When you grow a vagina, call me. I mean, seriously. Ser- and I mean that in all seriousness. I'm not trying to be crass or vulgar, but men should kind of shut up. They should bow out of this issue and this dialogue. And this should, unless we ask them a question, if we invite you to comment, we, we, that means we, we need your comment. But I think right now we need to encourage a dialogue amongst women because we're the ones who really need to find our power and our authority in, um, in, this, in this issue. That's, that's my quick thought on, on that. And, you know, um, yeah, and Mommy Berry says, the problem I have is that women are using this for birth control and they're aborting babies in the ninth month. Well, you know, here in California, you can um, you can abort your baby up until 60 days after it's born. Love the wordplay. Love the wordplay for murder. 60 days after it's born. As a matter of fact, by lunchtime today, my 29-year-old is annoying me. I'm going to shoot him in the head. I'm going to abort him. <laughs> you know, like how far out there does this go, right? So anyway, I'd love to get a closing comment from my tribe here this morning. Um, Reynolds, Boutreau. Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm, I'm just, I'm so thankful for you because I think you're, I mean, you have like skin in the game. Yeah. You're not judging. You've experienced the other side and just being able to sit here and observe and hear comments calmly and collectively and knowing also your passion for life is I'm just in awe. I'm learning from you. And, you know, this is a very heated conversation right now. I feel like everywhere that I look on social media, it's like people that I kind of followed or even looked up to seeing, you know, hearing their reasons as to why they are enraged at the, at the overruling. Um, it has, it's broken my heart to the point that I don't even know. It's almost like stopped me in my tracks where I feel so deeply about it because I'm like, Oh, I value life so much. And, and, but I, it's almost like, I don't know how to pray for this because it's just breaking me. And like you said, it's such a multi-layered conversation and there's a lot of historical context that goes into it. And, and, um, it's, you know, honestly, it scares me to speak out on it because I feel a lot of emotions, mm-hmm. but I also, I'm looking at you, I'm seeing how you're calmly and collectively addressing these things. And it's like, we, I, I just want the Lord to give us wisdom and discernment and insight on how we can effectively and in a fruitful way, talk about these issues and bring the gospel into it. Not from a preachy, like, we're going to put this bandaid on it. And like, you are all going to hell. No, like, let's suck the emotions out of it. Let's talk about it from the point of view, from the Bible. What does God really care about? Let's get to the core of it, really. And like mm-hmm. you said, we broke down the, the 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 actual statistics. You know what? It, like what are like? Let's let's calculate a little bit. What what is the truth in all of the all of this? Let's take all the hype away. Let's get let's get down to the bottom of it. And I think if we can if we can facilitate that here that would be so helpful and almost like miraculous because every on every other platform 
it's just hate and emotions. And, you know, I, I don't even know what it is, but I'm like, you just provided such a safe place for us to voice opinions from both sides and come at it in a way that is just going to, okay, let's just look, let's go back to the word. What does it say? This is a judgment-free zone. We're here to grow in Christ together. And that's what I love about Girl Club. I was really like, oh, how are we going to talk about this? Because there's so many emotions. But like, you just kind of, and you you gave, you made me feel a little, a little chilled. Be like, we we can talk about, and we should talk about this actually. And yeah. let's let's invite everyone to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, so thank, thank you, Cynthia. No, thank thank you, Christina, for for the acknowledgement. And I I will say, yeah, I mean, part of the problem is, you know, we don't talk. We talk at each other when it comes to issues. I've been guilty of that myself, you know, but on this issue, I so understand it and feel it so deeply because, hey, look, you know, I always wanted a daughter. Summer knows this. Summer is like my daughter. She's like such an extra special gift to me because I had an abortion and I'm pretty sure I probably murdered the one daughter that I was going, I was given in life. And um, when I was young and for all kinds of reasons, but I was old enough to know better. I was old enough to know better. I just didn't know any better. And it's the biggest regret of my life. It's the biggest regret of my Christian life, you know, and I, summer is my do over, (laughs) you know, and, um, I don't even know if she under, I don't think I've ever even said that or, you know, talked to you about that summer, but, um, you know, when you feel like every child in your life is a second chance or a gift that you don't deserve, it makes you fight for them that much harder. And that's why I fight and advocate for young people Mm. so hard is because young people are being so deceived by people who should not have a voice on this, in this issue, you know, um, and some women, you know, who shouldn't even have a voice in the issue. They're just coming from the wrong place. They're not coming from a place of, you know, true breakthrough on this issue, true understanding, true deep resolve. You know, you got all these people arguing over the legalities and blah, blah, blah. Listen, everybody talks about Roe Roe v. Wade. Does everybody even know the story of Debbie Rowe? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think she went through with the abortion or she didn't even want to have one. Like there's, it's, it's, it's just all become propaganda, you know? Mm. And it's important that we cut through the propaganda and the lies on all sides and get down to the truth as women. And we look, girl club is a movement of women. You know, Christine, I love it when you called it a spiritual me too movement, you know? And so as a movement of women, I want us to be to grow and to become so powerful that political parties and lobbies have to deal with us and listen to us because we are a group of women who are measuring and filtering things through the word of God, not through anger and division and doubt and fear, but through true power in Christ and yeah. the true desire to love each other and find what God would do with all of these issues, you know? And look, obviously these issues are even bigger because we're dealing with a lot of women that don't know the Lord. They don't have a relationship with him. So we got to deal with that too. You know, this, 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 I mean, you got to deal with that, you know? And, and, and I, you know, it, it, it's, 
I, I want, I want this to be a, a safe place, you know, for the, for these conversations. And I know that, you know, that we all have a lot of these, these, these conversations. And, um, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking, you know, at, oh, someone who, uh, she didn't have, ah, she didn't have an abortion. It was based on a lie and the baby is now speaking out and she's in her forties. Right. <laughs> right. She, yeah, this is what I didn't, I wasn't going to break it open. And like next week, you guys, when we get together, please, you know, bring this up again, but it's yeah. Debbie Rowe kept the baby. Um, wow. Yeah. You can find interviews out there with baby Roe that are very powerful, you know, and this is what I'm saying. You know, let me, this is how we speak out. You know how I believe we speak out. You guys, we speak out by as women speaking to each other. And you know how we don't speak out. We don't stand on our stage and I'm speaking to you, pink, the singer. We don't stand on a stage and say, if you're anti-abortion, F you don't listen to my effing music. Cause you know what my first reply was? Well, I don't listen to your music. I think your music sucks. So Halsey, Halsey did, Halsey did that as well. She told people to leave her concert and people left. People left. I would, I'll never buy an, I'll never buy a record from her. I'll never listen to her. You know why? Because, because they're part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. I want to be part of the solution. Being part of the solution requires us as women to wear our grace, wear our dignity, to walk in our, our love and our support of sisterhood. It requires leaders who are about unity, not division. What those girls did was lose themselves, express no dignity and divide. Like, where's your brain? Are you high? Like, what did you smoke before your concert that you thought it was okay to tell half the people who have helped you get where you are today to leave or to go F themselves? Are you that ignorant? And really, I mean, I'm saying it as direct as I can, and, and I invite either of those girls to comment because it was ignorant. They owe everyone an apology. It doesn't help. It's like Madonna standing on a platform and, I'm like these, come on, like we could sit here as Christian women and vomit all kinds of judgment all over women who've gotten an abortion or who are pro-choice or anti-abortion or support abortion, however you want to label it to make it feel better, right? They're pro-murder, you know, because it is, it's murder. Okay. I committed murder. You guys. Like I, it was taking the pretty off of that sin that changed my life. You know, 15 years later, it was that level of repentance. Oh my God, I committed murder. It doesn't get pretty. It's not like, well, I was only four months along. At least I wasn't nine months along. Well, I was only eight weeks along. At least I wasn't, you know, I mean, (laughs) there's no degrees of murder. Dead is dead. Baby gone is baby gone. Life ended is life ended. Whether it was three minutes in, three weeks in, three months in, or 60 days after. It is the same spectrum 
of the same sin. We've got to stop making it feel good and feel pretty. We just have to deal with truth. And then in dealing with truth, if the, if the reality is that, well, even God gives us choice, that means that there are women who are going to make that choice. It should be privately funded, I believe. I don't want to pay for it. I don't want our federal tax dollars paying for it. I don't, I don't want our country to stand for it. But there are going to be organizations that will fund and help women get that if that's what they want. And my job then is to be here to love them or to try to explain to them what they're doing or to help them through the consequences and the aftermath. There's something I want to add to that. Yeah. Um, this, I just feel strongly to say that the world just gets more confusing because that's a tactic of the devil. And I'm not saying a certain, like, I'm not saying anything, but what I feel I should say, and this isn't going to be the first this isn't the first controversy and it's not going to be the last. So I think the most important thing in these situations is to ask God what he thinks and to also stand for something because when you don't stand for anything, you fall for anything, everything. When you don't stand for anything, you fall for everything. And I think as Christian women, as Christians in general, even men and women, this is a time to represent God, to support what God says, to be an example of what God says, but to stand for what God says. And you can't listen to the noise and the distraction and everything going on in the world, because like I said, it's not going to be the last one. There's going to be more. And a big tactic of the devil is confusion. And when you listen to what God says, then it's as simple as that. And when you ask God what he thinks, it's as simple as that. You ask him, he'll tell you. So I think standing for something is big because what, why would I not want to show God off? Why would I'm not ashamed of my faith. I want to stand for God and show that off, show my Christianity off and stand in that and stay in that. Um, be true to who I am in Christ and what he says and follow that. Amen. Amen. It's really good. Amen. Listen, you guys, we've, we've gone over today and my tribe has, uh, let's see, the mom, Miss Reynolds has to cook for her family and Miss, Miss Boudreau needs to get ready for her day. It's a holiday here today, you guys. And uh, my little summer Sita is cooking with her mommy. And um, I know you all listening have, you know, things to do with the rest of your Monday night. Um, but as you leave today, you know, and go through the week, I would encourage you all to lift, let's lift each other up in prayer. Yeah. You know, let's remember each other in prayer. Let's remember our sisters who are, are hurting because they're pregnant and don't know what to do or because they had an abortion and they don't even know that they should feel anything yet. You know, let's just, let's pray about this issue that we could, we could rally all women together to talk about this issue, seeking to apply real faith, real growth, having real talk about real issues while seeking to apply real faith. That's what we are here at Girl Talk. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And, um, Thanks to Life Audio for hosting us. And um, 
I don't know if you can find more shows like this on Life Audio, but you can find some other great ones. That's for sure. I happen to think we're a pretty unique place and space to be. So um, please like us, subscribe to us, share, um, send us your comments and your emails. We always want to interact with you. And um, happy 4th of July and God bless America land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her with your light from above. Amen. (laughs) You guys. So um, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Cynthia Garrett with Christina Reynolds, Christina Boudreau, and Summer Garrett. Peace out this week from Girl Club. Love (laughs) y'all. Now and in his shows, he would say, that Pat Boone, he's so religious. I shook hands with that boy the other day. My whole right side sobered up. <laughs> and and I would repeat that in my act, and I said, you know, it did. And then I'd go ahead and sing my song. Pat Boone shares some of his incredible life story on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear conversations and devotionals from the artists of the church. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com, worshipleader.com, or your favorite podcast platform.